Alrighty, welcome back everybody to the Waiting Horn Tavern. I hope you've been enjoying our series so far. We've been going over some of the classes you can choose here in D&D when you're creating your characters. And we've covered most of them so far. And we're going to just jump right on in here. We're going to start doing the next one here. Because we want to get through this series as efficiently and hopefully quickly as we can. To give you the information that you need so you can make the character you want to create right from the get-go, right at level one. And we're going to start off this week with the Ranger. Now, the Ranger is another one of those creatures that's going to be able to take a little bit more damage than some of the other ones. Tends to not be as, uh, so we say, squishy as the others. Now, for this one, you have a D10 per level for your hit dice. And just to review, recap, you're going to get a D10 plus your constitution modifier or a six which is usually the average plus constitution modifier for every level after 10 for your first level it's gonna be 10 plus your constitution modifier so just keep that in mind for each one of these creatures you have a or classes you have a different dice that you use this one happens to be the d10 now your proficiencies you're usually proficient in light armor medium armor and shields as well as simple weapons and martial weapons you don't have any tool proficiencies though um, but your saving throws, you're usually going to be having those in, actually, not usually, you will have them in strength and dexterity. But then you also get to have to have three skills that you have proficiency in. So animal handling, athletics, insight, investigation, nature, perception, stealth, and survival. Now, if you know something about these skills, they're usually ones that have to do with being like out in the woods, out surviving, that kind of a thing. And that actually plays in a little bit later on with some of the special stuff you get as a ranger. Now for your equipment, if you choose to go to the starting equipment, you get scale mail or leather armor, one or the other, two short swords or two simple melee weapons, a dungeoneer's pack or an explorer's pack, a longbow, and of course, quiver with 20 arrows. you got to have that quiver and arrows. And you also have a favored enemy, and we'll get into that in a minute. And beginning at first level, you have significant experience already studying, tracking, hunting, and even talking to this certain type of favored enemy. And you have to choose one of those what the enemy will be. You can choose whether it's going to be like an aberration, beast, celestial, constructs, dragon, undead, fiends. You can choose one of those. Or you can pick two races of humanoid, like gnolls, orcs, like that. So one of the you know, monster type of enemy or two humanoid to be your favorite enemy and that's where you get that experience in the studying tracking and hunting of them now when you be tracking this favorite enemy you will get have advantage on survival checks as well as intelligence checks when you're trying to recall information about them now you also learn one language of choice that is spoken by your favorite enemy if they speak one at all so say your favorite enemy is a you know just a goblin then you'll be able to learn Goblin because they're your favorite enemy. And you can also choose one additional favorite enemy as well as the associated language as you get higher in levels. That sixth level, 14th level, you can then gain more of these and you get those same advantages on those as well. Now, your choices on these ones, it should actually be monsters that you've encountered in your adventures. So if you've been encountering nothing but skeletons, you might want to have skeleton being a favorite enemy and not necessarily like, well, I'm going to pick orc. You know, if you never encountered orcs, if orcs aren't there, kind of a waste of a choice. Makes sense, right? 
Yeah, because of this whole thing, of, like I said earlier, of being like out in the woods and forest and all that kind of stuff, with all your uh, skills and everything you get to pick, that's because you're already a natural explorer. You're particularly familiar with one kind of environment, and you're adept at traveling and surviving in those regions. So you also, as well as having your favorite enemy, you have a favorite terrain, and you get to choose one. So like Arctic, coast, desert, forest, grassland, mountain, swamp, or the Underdark. And when you make an intelligence or wisdom check related to that terrain, your proficiency bonus is doubled if you're using a skill that you're proficient in. And if you're traveling for an hour or more in that favored terrain, then if it's difficult terrain, your group's travel is not slowed. Your group cannot become lost except by some like magical type means. So you always know where you're going and all that good fun stuff there. And even when you're engaged in another activity, such as foraging, navigating, you know, whatever it may be while you're traveling, you're always re remaining alert to danger. And if you're traveling alone, so if you're just for some reason party gets split up and you're traveling on your own, or you're doing a solo campaign in the, the future there, you can move stealthily at your normal speed. So your speed wouldn't have to be halved or anything like that to actually move stealthily if you're in your favorite terrain. And while you're foraging, you get to have twice as much food you know, accumulated through that foraging than you normally would. And when you're tracking other creatures, you can learn their exact number, size, how long ago they were in the area. And as you go higher in level, you can choose additional favorite terrains to add to this list. Now, into the normal battle type stuff you get with these guys here. Your fighting style. At second level, that's where you actually get to pick a particular fighting style like archery, defense, dueling, two-weapon fighting, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's at second level. And with those ones, you get special uh, bonuses. Like with archery, it's a plus two to attack rolls. If you use your longbow or any other ranged weapon, you're a defense fighter, plus one to your AC. Uh, dueling, when you wield a melee weapon in one hand and no other weapons, you get plus two uh, bonus to your damage rolls. Two weapon fighting, you can use your ability modifier to add to the damage of the second attack. And also, by the time you reach second level, you've learned how to use magic. So you can cast uh, like magical spells in relation to nature, kind of similar to like what the druid does. And you can look in the player's handbook and it'll have all that stuff in the normal spots. And you're gonna have spell slots that you would use uh, to cast at like first level spells and higher. And to use one, it's the normal spell casting rules just like everybody else. So you have to have you know the spell prepared in your spell known column on your uh, character sheet there. And you have to also pay attention to what your spell casting ability and your attack modifier and your save DC and everything is. For the ranger, everything goes off of your wisdom score. So your spell save DC is eight, plus your proficiency bonus, plus your wisdom modifier. Your attack modifier is your proficiency bonus, plus your wisdom modifier. So say your proficiency bonus is two, wisdom modifier is two, and you know, the save DC would then be 12, because it's eight plus two plus two. Attack modifier, two plus two, which is four. So pretty simple when it gets to all the normal stuff there. And now we're going to get into a little bit of a sneakier little person here. This would be our friend, the rogue. Now, a rogue has a D8 for their hit points and the normal rules for that one. They're proficient in light armor, simple weapons, 
hand crossbows, long swords, rapiers, short swords, and for their tools, they get proficiency in thieves' tools. Because normally, rogues are the ones you have, they're actually the ones who are more stealthy when it comes to actually wanting to steal things from uh, other creatures, from using sleight of hand to actually get in and steal stuff from, you know, different rooms, things like that. So they're usually a bit higher in the dexterity, which is actually one of their saving throws, as well as intelligence. And you get to choose four skills to be proficient in, from acrobatics, athletics, deception, insight, intimidation, investigation, perception, performance, persuasion, sleight of hand, and stealth. Now, if you see the common theme on these, like every other character, the common theme for these skills. For the rogue, it's things that have to do more with being able to hide, able to steal, able to persuade, you know, it's more along the lines of somebody who is having more of a, uh, shall we say, uh, different background. One more attuned to, yeah, we'll put it right out there, thievery, one going to crime, things like that. But not always. Your character, you can have whatever background you want them to be. Now, for your equipment, you want to choose to be starting off with equipment here. You get either a rapier or a short sword, a short bow with 20 arrows in the quiver, or a short sword, a burglar's pack, a dungeoneer's pack, or an explorer's pack, leather armor, two daggers, thieves tools right off the bat. And you can also then go with expertise at first level. You choose two of your skill proficiencies or one skill proficiencies and your proficiency with thieves tools. And that can become an expertise, which means your proficiency bonus is doubled for any ability check you make that uses either one of your chosen proficiencies. And at sixth level, you can choose two more. But that's at sixth level. Now, beginning at first level, this is one little fun things here. You know how to strike subtly and exploit a foe's distraction. So once per turn, you can deal an extra 1d6 sneak attack damage to a creature you hit with an attack if you have advantage on the attack roll. And the attack must use a finesse or a ranged weapon. Now, you don't need advantage every time. Like, if that enemy is the, that you're targeting is within five feet of uh, an enemy of theirs, then, you know, you can usually do it then, too. Little, little piece there. I've seen that's not happened quite a few times. Now, the amount of, of extra damage you, you do there, it actually goes up with levels as well. So keep an eye on that. Now, during your rogue training, you learned Thieves' Cant, which is a secret mix of uh, dialect, jargon, code. It allows you to hide messages in seemingly normal conversation. And only another creature that understands it can understand what you're saying. So everybody else will be like, huh, what? And it takes four times longer to convey such a message than it does to speak the same idea plainly. So instead of being able to say, hey, the chest is over there, it would take four times as long to say it. But in addition to that, you also understand, you know, the secret signs and symbols used to convey short, simple messages such as whether an area is dangerous or it's an area that's, you know, territory of the Thieves' Guild, whether loot's nearby. Like, if they have to, like, write a note with, you know, the special stuff, you go, ooh, that's what that means. But actually saying it, that's where it takes longer. Now, time for some more squishy people. We've talked about, you know, most of the, yeah, I'd say most of the ones that actually are a little bit more, uh, like, physical fighters. Now we're getting into the ones that are your casters. They primarily use just magic, but they also have 
some little tricks up their sleeves as well when it comes to hand-to-hand -hand and melee fighting. And the first of these is the Sorcerer. Now, Sorcerer is one of those ones considered to be very squishy, just like the Wizard. But the Sorcerer uses a D6 for the hit dice. And their proficiencies, there's no proficiency in armor. And for weapons, it's daggers, darts, slings, quarterstaffs, and light bows. Or, sorry, light crossbows. And their saving throws are, you know, for their proficiencies, is constitution and charisma. Now for the skills, once again, you're going to see a theme here. And the theme here is more magical when it comes to these skills here. You can choose two for proficiency. And they come from arcana, deception, insight, intimidation, persuasion, and religion. And for your starting equipment, you choose to go that route. You start off with crossbow. Sorry, light crossbow. There is a difference. 20 bolts for that crossbow or any simple weapon. And then you also gonna have a component pouch or an arcane focus. And that component pouch basically just has like little, you know, things inside of it that you would need for the uh, material aspect of casting spells. And then you have either a dungeoneer's pack or explorer's pack, two daggers, and that's it. That's your equipment. Now, for your spell casting, it's the normal spell casting rules. Um, but for a sorcerer at first level, you usually know four cantrips, and you can learn additional cantrips as you get higher in there. So you don't really need to be too particular. You just gotta make sure you're paying attention to like what kind of a sorcerer that you're wanting to play, and take a look at the cantrip list and see which ones that you're wanting to use. Now you have the normal thing of spell slots that you gotta do. Uh, so you gotta keep you know keep in mind what spells you're using and how many spell slots that you have. And if you get the full list of them, they're right there inside of the player's handbook. You can see the sorcerer uh, table for all the sp spells you can learn. And if you do all your character creation in D&D Beyond, they have the full list right there of stuff that you can pick. It makes it really easy. Now, your spellcasting ability, same as normal, but your modifier that you're gonna be using is gonna be your charisma modifier. So you usually wanna have your charisma stat a little bit on the higher side, because that's what you're gonna be using for your attack modifier and your spell save DC. Now, for your spell casting focus, this is where you would use your arcane focus, you know, as your uh, you know focus for it. So usually you know, you'll have like a spell caster who's a sorcerer have like a uh, pearl or a skull or some other kind of like arcane thing. Usually it's something that came from you know a teacher that you had or some other kind of master or something, and that's what you would use for your focus. For this and you also have to choose your sorcerer origin you can use either a draconic bloodline or a wild magic bloodline and the descriptions of both of those are inside of the player's handbook and if you want to hear more about it we can always go into that later on not a problem and your choice will grant you features at first level sixth level 14th level and 18th level so whichever one you pick you go into Player's Handbook or into D&D Beyond, one of those websites that will actually help create your character with you. It'll tell you all about each one, and you can also go and see what else you can get at those higher levels, depending on which one you pick. And now the next squishy caster we have is the Warlock. This one's not quite as squishy as the Sorcerer, though, because the Sorcerer uses the D6. The Warlock uses a D8 for their HP. And they also can be proficient in light armor and simple weapons. Their saving throws would be wisdom and charisma. And now you get to pick two skills to be proficient in. And once again, you're going to see these happen to be a little more pertaining to the magical side of things. You have arcana, deception, 
history, intimidation, investigation, nature, and religion. Slightly different magical sides of things, but still magic. And now for your starting equipment, you want to pick that route, you get a light crossbow and 20 bolts, or any simple weapon, a component pouch, or an arcane focus, a scholar's pack, or a dungeoneer's pack, leather armor, any simple weapon, and two daggers. Now, the difference between the warlock and the sorcerer and the wizard is the warlock gets their power from having an otherworldly patron. Now, usually your patron's gonna be like an archfey, you know, the fiend, or an old great one. You can, you know, change it up and make your character, but that's how you get your magic, is because it's packed magic, pretty much. So your arcane research and the magic bestowed on you by your patron, you know, it gives you the ability to use spells. Now, go into the player's handbook, you'll have your full list of what all those spells are, but you get two cantrips from the warlock list, and then you usually get, you know, a handful of spells as well in there. Now, you can also play with this a little bit more with your DM, since you get all this stuff from your patron, your patron can come in at a random time between, you know, you and the DM talking about what your kind of patron it is and all that kind of stuff. And they can kind of mess with things a little bit as well. Like I've seen some patrons come in in like the middle of a battle and be like, oh, guess what? Pop, this spell's now gone. And, you know, they replace it with something else. Or the patron comes in and says, oh, I'm going to make this spell work this way instead, which then completely throws off what it is you're thinking is going to happen, but it creates more fun. And that's something you can work out with the DM of what kind of patron it is that you have, um, if that ever happens at all. So, now for your spell casting ability, let's cover that real quick for you. Now we've covered all those little fun things. Uh, it's going to be your charisma modifier, once again, for the, the uh, spell save DC and the attack modifier. So you need to make sure that you have that one a little bit higher, just so you can actually have a higher attack modifier and a higher spell save DC. And now we have the wizard. This is, once again, known as one of the really squishy type characters. This one here has a D6 for those hit points, and they have no armor proficiencies at all, but they are proficient in weapons like daggers, darts, slings, quarterstaffs, light crossbows, basically things that they can actually stay back, stay out of the action, and be able to sling something into combat, or be able to deal a quick blow and hopefully be able to run away real quick because they are squishy and don't tend to last very long. It's usually where you see the memes where, you know, a monster rolls a D4 and, you know, kills a wizard right off the bat. So you want to stay a little bit back with these little squishy guys. Now your saving throws, your proficiency there is going to be wisdom and intelligence. And you can pick two skills from arcana, history, insight, investigation, medicine, and religion. So once again, more magical related type skills there. And for your starting equipment, you can start off with quarterstaff or a dagger, a component pouch or an arcane focus, a scholar's pack or an explorer's pack, your spell book, and that's going to be a little key thing right there because as a student of arcane magic, your spell book contains your spells inside of it. And once again, look in the player's handbook. You can find your entire wizard spells you can choose from. But you have your cantrips in there and you have your spells in there. Now, at first level, your spellbook contains six first level spells of your choice. Now, your spellbook has all of your spells, not your cantrips. Cantrips, they're just fixing your mind, they're there. So basically, you can picture you're in battle, you're casting a cantrip, it's just something you remember, it's there. Casting a spell, you're getting it from your book, and you're casting it there. 
So if you're preparing a spell, you can kind of picture you have your spell book, you have your bookmark sitting there, so you can easily go, I'm going to go do this spell right here. I'm going to go do this spell right here. That's what it would be preparing your spells, because you make sure that they are prepared before you can actually go into that soul, that, that battle there. And you can change up your spells that you have prepared, uh, usually with the long rest, if I remember correctly, with these guys here. So you have your spell book, and your spell casting ability is going to be based off of your intelligence modifier. Now, you have a couple ways you can cast a spell, though. You can do the spell slot cast, which is an instant boom, I'm casting the spell right now. Or if the spell has an, a ritual tag on there, you can do a ritual casting of it, which means it takes time instead of a spell slot. Now, you got to make sure that you have your spell casting focus. That's going to be your arcane focus as well. So usually I've seen a lot of wizards that spell book ends up being kind of like their arcane focus, but they're like they're reading the spell off the page type thing. And you can work with your DM if need be for that, but you can figure it out because it's your character. You can do whatever you darn well please with these guys. Now, when you learn spells, this is the nice little fun part you can also role play and have some fun with right here. Every time you gain a level in wizard, you then add two spells of your choice to your spell book for free. And each of these spells must be of a level for which you actually have spell slots. So if you only have second level spell slots, you can only get second level spells, you know, so on, so forth. But on your adventures, you might find other spells that you can add to your spell book. So the spells that you add to it, as you gain levels, those are the ones that you basically, you had like some like epiphany, boom, you know, I can, you know, there's a spell, I, I can do this spell right here. Or you can then, if you find one, you can then record it into your spell book. You copy it in there. So like say you find a wizard spell of first level or higher, okay? You find it, you're like, oh, this is cool. I want to I keep take this with me. You know, you take it and you copy it down into your spell book. If it's of a spell level that you can prepare and if you can spare the time to decipher and copying it. So copying that spell into your spell book involves reproducing the basic form of the spell, then deciphering, you know, the specific notations, specific system, all that kind of stuff of the wizard who wrote it. So that's why it takes time, and you must practice. And then you, you you practice that spell, and you can actually roll this play this role play this out with your DM and the other players if you want. You know, so you can you're doing the whole thing of understanding the sounds and the gestures for the everything for casting the spell, and you're transcribing it into your spell book using your notation. Now, for each spell that you do this with, the process normally takes two hours of game time, not real world time, and costs about fifty gold. So it does have a cost there. And that cost represents basically buying the material components that you would be, you know, be using as you're trying to experiment and master the spell, as well as the inks and everything you would need to record it into the book. And once you have spent this time and money, you can prepare that spell just like you would any other spell. Now, if your spell book happens to get damaged, lost, anything like that, you can replace it. So you can copy a spell from your own spell book into another book, or if you want to make a backup copy of it, you can do that same thing. And this is just like copying a new spell into the book, but faster and easier because you only got to spend one hour per spell and it's only 10 gold for each, you know, actually for each level of the copied spell. Now, if you lose it, you can use the same procedure to transcribe the spells you have prepared into the new book and you fill, but fill out the rest of the spell book requires you to find new spells. So if a spell you had prepared goes into the new book, everything else you gotta find them again. That's why, you know, you might actually find a lot of wizards having backup spellbooks in safe places. 
Now, you actually get to pick the way your spellbook looks as well. So you can have be like a uh, plain functional leather book. It could be having a bunch of like grubs and worms on the outside of it. It could be this fancy flourished book. It could be anything that you want. Now, that's the end of the classes. That is every single one that we've covered. And it only took us three weeks to do it. So if there's anything that you guys would like to see, well, here, covered in one of these about one of these classes, want us to go into a little more detail about anything, go into detail about some of the spells, anything like that, go ahead, let us know. There should be a little commenty thing somewhere here on the site that you're re listening to this on. Just let us know exactly what it is that you would like to know about. We will be sure to cover it. And since we've covered a whole lot about the creation of the characters, we're not really going to go too much into like personality or background or equipment or anything like that, because that's going to be more personal to you. Like you pick your own personality, you pick your own background of what it is that you have going on with your character. And when it comes to their starting equipment, we already kind of covered with the classes, kind of what's optionally available to you. And there's a lot more that you're going to find while you're out adventuring. And a lot of that stuff, as you come across it, your DM will tell you about it. He'll tell you exactly what's going on with it. You know, like what it is you found, whether it be, you know, boots of jumping or this, you know, special, you know, you know, kick butt sword that you find, whatever it may be. So the next thing that we're going to do is we're going to cover more about going into like the actual adventuring side of things, how you're actually going to be playing the game, which you've actually heard a little bit of with the adventures of Rupert and Christopher as they've been going into the crypt. And we're going to dive a little bit more into that, into actually what's going on with how you do all that and how you actually make the attacks and roll the damage and do all that kind of fun stuff. And that, that is actually the end of our little educational portion of this podcast. So be sure to come back next week for more of the how-to stuff. And pretty soon we're going to have a lot more gameplay coming as well. So stay tuned and be sure to come back next week for another episode here at the Waiting Horn Tavern.